Good morning. Welcome to worship at Noblesville First this last Sunday in May. We are finishing the last of a three-week series on God and the coronavirus, in which we're asking big questions about how God is involved in our world and active at this time. Today we're looking at the implications this crisis may have on our church ministry in the future. I must confess, I went to bed last night thinking if we should scrap the theme and focus on what is going on around in our country now, but let me tell you, that's not easy when you have so much to plan in advance and uh, so many of your elements are pre-recorded. But we will have some elements today that do deal with this, and we'll be working this week in our community as well as looking at next Sunday to make sure that we address what is going on with the racial tension we are experiencing. Uh, let me give you some quick instructions. Uh, the last couple weeks we've had interruptions with our Facebook live stream. We're not always sure what brings those problems on, but if it occurs again today, let me give you some quick instructions. Uh, make sure that you, when it goes off, just be patient. Uh, we will pick up right where we left off, but it'll probably take a few minutes to get our Wi-Fi connection back up again. And what you'll need to do is uh, go back to the Noblesville First Facebook page and refresh at least every 30 seconds. And then jump onto the new post that we'll be picking up right where we left off. If you go back to the countdown, that means you're still on the old post uh, and you'll have to rewatch what you've already watched. So please bear with us. Uh, that's part of the technology. Today I also hope that you'll stick with us after the service and just stay on the live stream because we have a Q&A with our conference superintendent, Chris Nunley, uh, who has the, the joy of seeing so many things going on in our district and around the state that churches are doing creatively. And we're going to look at that question of what is the church going to look like, the church in general, after this coronavirus crisis is done. We know that uh, things will never be quite the same and so we want to be looking ahead. We want to be ready for those changes as we come back uh, to live worship and also to normal times, hopefully, sooner than later. Now we're going to share a short video that includes several members of our Indiana Conference Extended Cabinet. Uh, this video, along with some other resources, was actually put together by Chris Nunley uh, that was shared so that pastors who might need a break, especially a lot of our smaller churches, uh, that could use a little help in this time. Uh, so this is just a quick short video that includes several members of our extended cam cabinet with the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. This is a strange time. Our church buildings are empty. This is not what we planned. Nor is it how we're designed. We miss being together. We're hungry for community. Singing preaching, face-to-face -face conversation, and human touch. Yet we press on. Because the church is not a building. It is not brick and mortar. The church is the body of Christ and has left the building. Bringing the incarnational love of Jesus Christ to a hurting and hungry world. We are Indiana are United Methodists. We are Indiana 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 United Methodists. And the church is still alive. Good morning. 
Hope you'll join with me in the call to worship this morning. Lord, our hearts are on fire this day. Set the blazes of hope that burn away fear. Lord, we come here to be empowered to serve you. Cause the winds of change to blow away doubt and alienation. Praise to God who has brought us the Holy Spirit. Let us worship and rejoice, for God is renewing and empowering us this day. invite you to join with me in prayer as we ask God to unite our spirits in our separate places to be one in this time. Let's pray. Lord, uh, some of us may have got to bed last night. We watched the news and seen uh, such tragedy taking place in so many places. We've also seen great marches of protest done peacefully to share a message that we want justice for all people, regardless of our color of skin. We pray that somehow you'll bring the best out of all this and somehow bring leadership 
unite our country, and help us to begin to work for the justice that's required. Be with us this, this morning as many of us live in such privileged circumstances, and for this we're thankful. But that's a call for us to also reach and bring solutions to the inequities that we see and experience, understanding that not all are as privileged as us. Bring your spirit today on this Pentecost, this most holy of days, and what an appropriate holiday for us to be facing the challenges that are before us, both with this coronavirus and the racial tensions that we are experiencing. May you make us the church you call us to be. May we be a beacon of light to our community. May we bring love, hope, joy to every person. Bless each person who's gathered this morning on Facebook or whether they'll watch it later on. May they know that you are with them. You are with us. And may us seek the unity that you desire. All this we pray in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. At this time, I'd like to read a statement that I wrote and revised this morning. It's already posted on our website if you'd like to read it later or refer it to other people. Once again, our news is filled with a racial tension in our country. We've been shocked by the blatant acts of social and institutional racism. We hope these stories represent only the extreme elements in our society. But the poor response of officials in seeking justice has erupted into riots and demonstrations demanding for justice. I must confess I am weary of making statements and inviting prayers for racial justice as they seem so inadequate in the face of all our country is dealing with. As if the coronavirus was not enough, now we see our country torn apart even more. For those condemning the violence, I hope we listen to the wisdom of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who once said, a riot is the language of the unheard. I share this not to condone what is happening in our cities, but to explain it and to call us to find ways to dialogue with our African-American brothers and sisters. Beth Niedermeyer, our superintendent of Noblesville Schools, tweeted this statement yesterday. Racial injustice has plagued this country for hundreds of years. Now more than ever, we must educate, listen, learn about the history of our country so that we can tear down the institutions and systems that perpetuate injustices, inequities, and racism. I am committed to this important work. That statement describes well what is in my heart. Friday, I reached out to Norm Williams, a member of our congregation, who has been instrumental in putting together our Martin Luther King celebration the past three years. I also reached out to Bob Dubois, the president and CEO for the Noblesville Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Noblesville Diversity Coalition. I was suggesting that we organize at least a virtual conversation for our community. He informed me discussions are already taking place to gather a panel to lead a virtual community conversation that would involve key leaders in our community and be open to the public. I believe this is a positive, proactive step that will hopefully prevent the ugly scenes we have witnessed in other communities, but also provide the opportunity to take positive steps toward resolving the racial inequities that, which exist on so many levels in our nation. I will be supporting this critical conversation 
and we'll invite your participation as we seek to be God's people who will do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Let me finish with a story that was shared with me yesterday by my daughter Kelsey, who lives in Evansville, Indiana. She called me after participating in a demonstration yesterday afternoon of some 2,000 people that was organized by a young African-American named Eben, Eben Ellis. He had never been an activist before of any kind, but he felt compelled to do something in light of the death of George Floyd. He called the Evansville Police Department and asked permission to hold a peaceful demonstration during the day. They not only gave him permission, but the Evansville police turned it into a partnership. My daughter believes this partnership was likely fostered by the community relations officer in the Evansville Police Department, an African-American who's done a gr some great work in the schools that she oversees. Well, that young man prepped the crowd before the march and asked them to be respectful of the police because they were being supportive of their effort and would be present in front of the Civic Center. The crowd had signs and pictures of African-Americans who had lost their lives due to police violence. They chanted, Black Lives Matter. They chanted, George Floyd's name. They chanted, no justice, no peace. But Kelsey said many of the police officers chanted with them. While they stood in line in front of the Civic Center, she said it was one of the most powerful things she's ever experienced because it, made up, it was made up of people of all different colors. She said at least half the crowd was white. People practiced safe social distancing as best they could. Most people wore masks. It was beautiful to hear her describe the scene because it was not black lives versus blue lives, but people of all kinds come, coming together to say, we have to do better. Those are the kind of stories I hope we will start to see more of in the news. So this week, I encourage you to reach out to your friends who don't look like you. Find them and listen. Listen humbly. And if you don't have friends who don't look like you, then call or email me, and I will set up a conversation with some of my friends where we can listen humbly together. I share this as your servant in Christ. We have a few other concerns we want to lift up before we go to our time of prayer. Uh, please continue praying for Sherry Evers, who's now home and recovering from surgery. Please pray for Marianne Harmus Landis, who will be undergoing a version today for her baby Jet, who's currently in a breech position and soon to be born. Pray for Jason Ike, whose longtime best friend was killed Monday in a motorcycle accident. He was just 38 years old. We pray for Mildred Spurgeon, who's in St. Francis Hospital. We pray for the city of Minneapolis and racial tensions throughout the country. We pray these incidents will lead to proactive measures in every city to combat institutional racism wherever it exists. This time, Reverend Chris Nunley will lead us in our call to prayer. Let us pray. Lord of patience and persistence, we live in a broken and shattered world. All around us we see great evidence of hatred and alienation. 
We create devices to separate rather than unite, to divide rather than come together in hope. Forgive us for these sins that cause such division and hurt. Remind us today that the disciples too lived in a fearful world and that you came to them as they sat huddled in fear and you empowered them and gave them hearts of courage and faith. Bring to us the same hearts that we may serve you well, bringing peace and hope to our world. In the name of Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen. Now let us take a moment of silent prayer. Eternal and merciful God, we watched this week while military heroes were honored Cities burned, and children and mothers cried. We listened while ventilators hissed, bullets flew, and bones and spirits were crushed. We breathed and smelled through masks while barbecue mixed with tear gas and smoke. We read the names of over 100,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19 so far. On this day where followers of Jesus Christ around the world celebrate the coming of your promised spirit to breathe life into your church, we also cry out for justice for George Floyd, whose breath was crushed out of him with blue-clad knees. As we witness to the birth of your holy church wearing symbolic red, we mourn the death of yet another unarmed black man in America. We pray for the people of Minneapolis, for their mayor, city council members, and all who demand an end to racism and violence. Give thanks that the primary officer involved has been arrested and pray for the judicial process to be fair and thorough. May the fires of grief, anger, and loss that rose from the city that day be like the fire of your spirit and burn away all that would divide us from one another. Open us up to understand the white privilege that many of us receive and benefit from and the destructive 
reality that race-based prejudice coupled with power has caused on the well-being and opportunity of black people throughout America. On my shirt, the names of other black neighbors who have died unnecessarily because their lives, their gifts, and their humanity were not acknowledged or valued. It is time to say no more and mean it this time. The church must declare racism and white supremacy a public health emergency, even if our government leaders lack the moral and courage and character to do so. May the fire of your Holy Spirit blow across this nation freeing us from this fantasy of innocence, cleansing us, healing us, and convicting us yet again. Save us, Lord, because we are your people, and this is your world. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and now we unite in the prayer that you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Show me the way. Oh.
All right, all those of you that have children in the house, it's time to go get them uh, because the children's message will be coming along soon. This morning we have Michelle Justice Hobbs will be sharing the message with us one last time, so we're excited to hear that. Well, our coronavirus task force has created a survey that's going to help us uh, to safely launch live worship, we hope, before too long. And your input will provide valuable information for us, and it's going to be one of the pieces we use in making that decision. Uh, So far, we've had 196 people respond to the survey, so if you haven't, please make sure you do so today. The deadline is midnight tomorrow night, Monday tomorrow night, and the task force, which meets every Wednesday, will be taking those results and using that to make the decision when we can open safely. In the meantime, we're making preparations. We believe our best option is to start worship outdoors at Teeter, and so we've been thinking through all the complications involved with that process, so please pray for that task force, if you would. Sunday, June 7th, which is next Sunday, is our Senior Sunday. We'll be spending some time listening to a couple of our seniors that will be helping me with a message, and uh, we need pictures with names, the college or high school they graduated from, as well as what they hope to do afterwards. Get those to Tom Shriver McGreevy at tshriver at noblesvillefirst.com. Monday, June 8th is our blood drive, and thank you for responding. We have filled all the available appointments right now. They are still looking to see if they can extend the time and add a few more appointments, so keep checking our graphic on the website. That will take you to the link, and you'll see if any new appointments have been added that are not already booked. So thank you for your faithfulness. Also, Monday, June 8th, we're going to have a Zoom gathering for our Sunshine Friends Special Needs Adults Ministry. And this time they're inviting us to bring along all of our children and families from our Orange Express ministry. So if any of you have children, you may want to join in as well. It's Monday, June 8th. We're inviting the Sunshine Friends people to gather first at 6.30 just to say hi to one another. They love this is the best way we can gather. And then at 6.45, we'll start the show, so everyone else come on at that time. Saturday, June 13th, from 1 to 2.30, we'll hold a drive through reception for Pastor Aaron Hobbs, Michelle, and Emma. And we're going to station the Hobbs right over here by the front door, door number one, under the portico. Uh, you will drive through the portico, and you can share your greetings with them anywhere from that 1 to 2.30 time slot. If you'd like to share a love gift, please mail those into the church office, or you can go online to our giving options, and you'll see that the Hobbs Family Family Gift is one of those options if you use that pull-down menu. And again, let me invite you to stick with us after the service as we discuss more with our conference superintendent, Chris Nunley, about the changes we're seeing in the church because of the coronavirus and what we can expect to see in the future as the church ministry adapts to the new normal we're going to see in our world. And also please be sure to check out the front page of the website or go to your Noblesville First app on your smartphone. You'll find that opportunities to serve, those are updated every week with new opportunities as well as the ones that continue. So please check those and share the ways that you can be in service uh, during this time. Good morning, Noblesville First. Hey, kids, I have a real quick question for you. Today is a very important day in the life of our church. Does anyone know what today's called? Go ahead, shout it out to me. I'll listen. Oh, yes. Today is Pentecost. That's why I'm wearing red. This is the color that symbolizes this super important day. Well, the Bible tells us how Jesus promised that after he ascended into heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit down to those who believed in him. 
And just as he promised, many years ago, when the followers of Jesus were together, like we are today, all of a sudden, in a burst of unexpected wind and flames, the Holy Spirit was sent to them. This was the birth of the church. Now, I'm not talking about the, any church building. The church is so much more than any building. Pentecost was the birth of the community of believers. We are a community together. Right now is a perfect example. Even though we aren't able to be together in the same place, we are still the church. Whether you are in your kitchen, your living room, like me in the bedroom, on your back porch, whether you're sitting in Noblesville, Fishers, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Mexico, whether you're in, in South Africa, anywhere in the world, you are a part of the church because you are connected as Christians by your faith, love, and belief in Jesus Christ. Wow. 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 Now, I found a scripture that I think fits this week. It is from Colossians 1.17. It's short but powerful. It says, in Jesus, all things consist or are held together. Yes, they are. They are held together by our love of Jesus and our service in his name. I heard someone say a long time ago that people come into our lives for a season and sometimes they or we have to move and things have to change. Noblesville First, the church that we attend together, is part of the bigger United Methodist Church denomination. The pastors and families in these churches are placed, or the big fancy grown-up word is appointed, there to serve and do the work for Jesus for a season. Now, this isn't a season like summer, spring, fall, or winter. It means a period of time. For some pastoral families, that might be a year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen, thirty. It just depends on how long they are needed there to serve. For Pastor Aaron, Emma, and I, ours has been a season of eight years at Noblesville First. Emma has grown up in this church. She started our time here, just like some of you toddling around the nursery. And most recently, she was part of this year's confirmation class. I can't believe it. We've been able to see Orange Express emerge and grow and celebrate that. Pastor Aaron's vision of Teeter Organic Farm became a reality. We have met so, so, so many of you who have blessed our lives in ways you may never know. The love and light of Christ seen in you will have a lasting impact on us forever. But unfortunately, our season at Noblesville First will end soon. In July, Pastor Aaron will be the lead pastor of Broadway United Methodist Church, and our family, me and Emma, will attend there too. We will miss you more than I can say. In closing, those of you who have had Mrs. Hobbs as a teacher have heard this before as I talked about this at the end of each school year, but it's appropriate now, okay? I always think about the word bittersweet. Any change is bittersweet. The word bittersweet, teacher talk, is a compound word. Two little words, bitter and sweet, we put them together to be bittersweet. So we break it apart. Show me your face when you taste something bitter. Mm, yeah, yuck. Tastes terrible, right? Bitter. Show me your face when you taste something sweet. Mm, 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 mm. I visualize myself taking that first bite of a Reese peanut butter egg. Sweet, bitter, sweet. Our leaving is bittersweet. The bitter is that we are sad. We love this church, the people in it, and the ministries that we've been able to be a part of serving. We will miss not being together in worship any longer. But there is also some sweet. We're excited to be serving God in new ways and in new places. We're also happy to meet new people, and you will have that same sweet joy to meet new people when your new pastor arrives soon. But the greatest part of the sweet is that through Christ and through the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, that community is always and everywhere through our connection in Jesus Christ. And to me, that is just about as sweet as anything could ever be. We will miss you very much. Would you please for this final time, pray with me. Gracious God, like the scripture says, 
in Jesus, all things consist or are held together. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to animate the church and lead us to be a community connected in you, no matter where we may be. Thank you for our season at NFUMC. It has been a true blessing. Thank you for the amazing people you've placed in our path and the awesome opportunities to serve that we have been given. Help us all to transition smoothly as change is sad and difficult, but with Christ, even the hardest things are possible. And for these precious children, Lord, please give them as much of a joyful, amazing experience as Emma had in this church as well. Amen. Important recovery ministries are once again meeting with appropriate social distancing. Heroin Anonymous started back on May 21st, and Narcotics Anonymous will meet beginning tomorrow. Thank you for your faithful giving, which helps provide encouragement and a space for all who are seeking wholeness and recovery. Now, before we receive our morning offering uh, online at noblesvillefirst.com or on our app or by mailing a check to the church office, let's ask God's blessing upon it. Generous God, we don't give because you make us. We don't give because anyone else is watching. We give because we are grateful and because we want to work to be a part of your kingdom in every way that we can. May your spirit blow among us and upon these gifts, tithes, and offerings so that this money would help your reign to flourish. Amen.
When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from the from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire lighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. They were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, as well as residents from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suspect. After all, it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Uh, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see mm -hmm. visions. Your elders will dream dreams, even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke, the sun will be changed into darkness, and the moon will be changed into blood, before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Be sure to take advantage of the Faith First that's uh, on our website under the Worship tab. You'll find scriptures that help carry on the dialogue that we start today, as well as questions you can use for your own spiritual reflection or it can be put to work in a growth group or small group. Well, today is the last day of our series of God and the Coronavirus. We've been answering questions that this pandemic has raised. The first week, we dismissed the idea that God sent this virus as some sort of judgment. God does not bring evil. And yes, tragic things do happen. God, we believe, has chosen to self-limit his power in this world in order to respect human free will and also the laws of nature that govern the creation that he has brought into being. But we still, God, still believe that God somehow is mysteriously involved in our lives. We think somehow God is still sovereign and oversees all that's taking place and will someday bring it to an ultimate conclusion. Last week we discussed 
what God might want us to learn from this pandemic. We declared that God is always at work perfecting us and trying to bring this world to the purposes he has in mind. Even though this time may feel unique, God's ongoing work continues. God will always seek to perfect us in our world. We shared what some of these lessons might be, and we hope that each of us would decide to continue those lessons on even after this crisis is over. Today is Pentecost. It's considered the birth of the church, the outpouring of the Spirit of God in a new way. Pentecost was so dramatic that the Spirit of God became known as the Holy Spirit and became a part of the Trinity as we talk about God as being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or God as Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Well, I tell you, it's challenging trying to figure out what exactly happened at Pentecost. You just heard the scripture, and if you keep on reading, it grows even more complicated. It starts in a small, intimate gathering in a house, and somehow they all end up outside preaching to a crowd large enough that it says in one day, 3,000 people became a part of the Christian movement. And there's no explanation in between about how they got from that intimate place to that large gathering. Another strange thing is how were the speakers speaking languages they did not know through the Spirit, and yet also at the same time people from all over the Roman Empire were hearing that message in their own native tongues. That's kind of like two miracles happening at the very same time. Well, good luck trying to figure out what historically happened. But what I do know is that Pentecost is a powerful symbol for the early church. It's the birthday of the church. We declare that God has now given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to everyone. It's no longer just the possession of a religious elite, those who were trained in that day, the Jewish priesthood surrounding the temple in Jerusalem. Now the Spirit of God to prophesy, to interpret God's work and will in the world at that time is given to both men and women, to young and old, to slaves and to servants. And we have gathered and put this pulpit among the pews today in order to help convey the message that you have been given the Holy Spirit. So think about what that Spirit did to those early believers at Pentecost. That Spirit impelled them to go outdoors. They were secluded in a small room, and they were propelled by the Spirit to take the message of Jesus Christ out into the city of Jerusalem. And Pentecost is not just a one-time event. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see that it goes on and on, that over and over again the Spirit propels them to new places into the Roman Empire, to new peoples, and to try new methods to reach a people vastly different from them. Well, there's many uh, wise voices that are suggesting the church is experiencing a disruption that will change it forever. We're experiencing our own Pentecost event where the Spirit's doing a new thing that has shaken us up and at the same time made ministry exhilarating and shown us new possibilities. You've probably heard some of the news reports or read articles exploring what society will look like when this coronavirus crisis is over. We've adapted so effectively that we realize that some things that we may not have tried before, now we've experienced, and there's no going back to the way things were. For example, the workplace is forever altered. 
People have been working from home more and more, but now so many were forced to experience it and discovered they liked that flexibility, the ability not have to take that commute, to have a little bit more time with their families. We also understand that companies kind of like that. Maybe they can save some cost on providing office space. Well, whatever happens, there will be at least a hybrid experience where people will probably work more and more from home, go in the office to do that conferencing they need to do and still to enjoy some human interaction. We've seen a growth in telemedicine during this time. I was already using email to connect with my doctor. There were times that he would have me uh, hear what was going on after I described my symptoms and without even seeing me or even talking to me, would have him referred to a specialist that I need saving time and money. And now we've had to use uh, teleconferencing. And you've seen your doctor on a computer screen. He has not touched you, but he's listened to your symptoms and and given you what you need to do to take the test that you need to take. We're going to see more and more of that because, again, it saves costs and it's convenient. My daughter, Kelsey, had already talked to me about how she had been ordering groceries from Walmart a long time ago. She's a busy person, full of responsibilities, raising two kids at home, and she loved the convenience to get on her computer the night before and click out her list of groceries, and then knowing the next day when work was done, she could just drop by, call them, or text them, and they'd bring the groceries out. She'd save at least an hour of her precious time to be with her family. They say now that Walmart anticipates that 30% of their digital sales will come from curbside service because now more and more people have experienced that as well. Well, just like we're seeing in our world, the church is also experiencing shifts. We're seeing some of that also before the coronavirus hit. All churches were experiencing a decline in worship attendance of people physically being in the church. Many churches were already growing smaller, somewhat intentionally, mega churches starting satellite churches. And now this coronavirus has forced upon us some new practices And we've discovered some of those are very, very effective. I, for a long time, had debated whether we should start live streaming our services just for the convenience of our families who are away at AAU tournaments on the weekends or they're busy spending time in outings with their families or we're simply just exhausted from their hectic schedule of work and kids. But I hesitated because the research also showed that there would be less physical attendance in the pews. Well, with the quarantine, we had no choice. And every pastor I've talked to, and believe me, I've talked to a lot of pastors these last few months, they're surprised at how well churches have adapted and are thriving. This eruption, disruption has awakened the church much like the rush of a mighty wind which occurred at Pentecost. The creativity of large and small churches has been impressive, and we realize some very important lessons. We learn The church is not the building, but the people. How many times have we said that? But now we've proven it. This this church has sat empty for two and a half months, and yet we are thriving as a congregation. We're feeding the hungry with food from Teeter. Creativity of our church staff has just been overwhelming. We've made masks and delivered them to first responders here in Noblesville and also taken several up to Cass County experiencing a hot spot for COVID-19. And I would say that we are praying more fervently than ever. We've connected in such creative ways. Matter of fact, I was in the office and I overheard 
uh, someone share on the phone with Carol Miller that they thought our church has never been stronger than it is in this time. Second thing we've learned is that simplicity is better. I think the more activity, we tend to think the more activity we have, the better we are. We think we've got to have something for everybody, and so we throw so many things out there hoping something will stick. But in a world that's overwhelmed with so many choices, simple is better. The quarantine has forced us to decide what is absolutely essential. The most important thing is to help people be like Jesus. And anything that's not absolutely, absolutely critical has been put to the side. Hopefully, we don't lose that focus when our freedom returns and our choices grow. The bottom line is that some things may need to be put aside even when things return back to normal. And finally, we need to shift from gathering to connecting. We're used to judging our success by our physical attendance on Sunday morning. Even now, we tend to focus on how many views did we receive for our Facebook live stream. But we need to figure out that combination of using digital resources to share the content that people need, the biblical content, the spiritual direction, and the practices that people need to grow. And then we need to find the ways that we use that and then connect people in authentic ways face-to-face using the precious time that they have available. We're not sure exactly what that will look like. It will be probably a hybrid of some of the things we've been doing during this coronavirus. But I pray that you'll work with us as we continue to look into these options. I could say so much more, and we will, with Pastor Chris Nunley. We've got a task force that's already looking at the implication of this crisis for our staffing and also for our church ministry needs. But for now, I hope that this just stimulates your creative thinking. And that we'll work to continue to be the church that God's calling us to be in Noblesville. I like the phrase that Carol Miller shared with me last week that she heard from another congregation. I believe it was perhaps the church from her daughter that said, we're moving from the old normal to a new better. I like that. So let's pray for our Pentecost experience here at Noblesville first. Like those first Christians who were moved from inside secluded walls to proclaim the gospel in new ways and new places to a people that were foreign to their own ways, may we take the risks to get outside our walls, risking new methods in order to reach new people, people different from us. May the Spirit fill us like the rush of a mighty wind. Amen. Good morning. Welcome again to the Noblesville First live stream. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad you're joining us. I joked with the church staff during the first week of the question series that my sermon for Did God Send This Pandemic would be very short. Did God send the pandemic? No, God didn't. Go in peace. But similarly, this week, my my answer to the question of is this the birth of a new church is also simple. Yes, yes, this is the birth of a new church. So I'd like to talk about why. So let's start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The God we serve is a God of creation. And the creative power of God is a theme that runs through the scriptures. 
So when we read the story about God creating the earth and the creatures of the earth and humans, part of the point of the story is to realize God's creative nature. It reminds me of a joke that I heard about a group of scientists in the future that discover they can make humans out of dust, just like God did. They decide because they can create people as well that they don't need God anymore, so they elect a committee of scientists to go up to heaven and tell God. And God listens to their explanation patiently, as God does, and says, okay, how about this? We'll each create a human, and if yours is anywhere close to as good as mine, I'll leave you alone. And the scientists agree. So they go make preparations, and then they meet up. God picks up some dust, and poof, creates a perfect human being in every way. The scientists then step up to take their turn, and they start collecting some dust when God stops them and says, whoa, 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 you have to use your own dust. God is a creative and creating God. And the creation doesn't stop with the beginning of the story. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. You are now part of a new creation, because God's creative power is still moving. But this passage is also one of those where the translation into English causes it to lose some of its meaning because we read this as the new creation being a thing, a noun, a static object. But the Greek suggests that this is closer to a verb, something that was, is, and will continue to happen. If anyone isn't in Christ, you are part of the creation that is happening, that is moving which lines up with Isaiah and Revelation, where God says, Behold, I am making all things new. This means that our lives with God are supposed to be moving and growing, being created, because God is moving and growing people and creating. So if we want to stand still or stay the way we have been or get things back to normal, we can begin to fall behind where God is going. Now, I do think sometimes where God is moving and creating are places we don't follow. And sometimes I think when that happens, God has to swing back around again to get people to follow. And this cycle has continued through history of people allowing our own biases and our own selfishness to get in the way of where God is going. The forward movement of God and those that follow still fit into the same framework that we talked about last week when we talked about the question, what might God want us to learn? And I said, nothing new, because the mission of God hasn't changed. The message of God hasn't changed. The idea that God desires that we would see and treat creation as God does with endless love and mercy and honor hasn't changed. But those things always have a next step. There's always the next way to confront oppression. There's always that next person to tell about the love of Jesus. There's always another place where people are hungry. There's another reason why people are stuck in a cycle of poverty that needs addressed. And all these things apply to each of us individually, but that means that they apply also to the church. 
because the church is the people that make it up. And we are blessed to be a part of a church here at Noblesville First where these things are happening, where creation is continuing and growth and movement are in line with where God is trying to take us. Five years ago, we weren't farming teeter ourselves. We weren't using it to feed hungry people. And that's good, godly, forward movement. And I would think if we talk to the teeter team and ask if they'd like to just hold a status quo where they are, instead of innovating and growing and continuing to move forward, we'd find that they share God's desire for growth and creation. And we need to continue to innovate and grow together as a church, as a body of believers affecting our communities. And that isn't because of COVID-19. But the pandemic does help shape the way we choose to grow and move. How we connect with people moving forward from here has to evolve and grow, whether it be internet presence or new ways of doing small groups or whatever. But that isn't also just related to people. Yes, humankind is the pinnacle of creation. It's the only thing God called very good. But that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to the rest of creation. And we need to be growing and changing in our knowledge and desire to do those things as well. We've seen with the quarantine reports of pollution dropping, which means it is us that is causing that. It is, it is us moving and doing, and there has to be better ways. When we talk about bringing God's kingdom to earth, that's not just about loving fellow human beings. It's also about being good stewards of the creation that was entrusted to us. When we talk about what the age to come will look like, the Bible uses language like new wine flowing from the mountains and swords being beaten into plowshares and eating at a banquet table together. Farming and winemaking and sharing in meals together and living in a city all sound like very familiar activities that we can be partaking in today. And if those things are what the kingdom of God will look like, then making today look like the kingdom of God involves caring for creation to make those things possible. In my study this week, I came across someone who said, God said, He's making all things new, not that he's making all new things. In this process of new creation, you are becoming new. We can also step up alongside God to help that process of making things new in the world entrusted to us. We can share God's love and the sacrifice of Jesus with others, that they become part of that new creation that is happening. We can help heal the world of the things that we have done to it to help make that new too. Whether working towards spreading the love of Christ to our neighbors or aiding in the creation of God's kingdom here on earth, this should be the birth of a new church. Because we should consistently be growing and birthing new ways to serve God in our communities and beyond. Just like we ourselves are a part of an ongoing creation. Amen. Hello again. 
I have to be honest that I've been struggling to find the words to address the things going on in our country right now. I know that staying silent is not okay. And if I'm going to talk about birthing a new church without also talking about that new church's responsibility towards our black brothers and sisters and the oppression and turmoil they are facing on top of the pandemic around us, then I too am missing the point. I was talking with someone the other day who asked a question about the protests going on. And they said, well, they're breaking the law. And the scripture says lawlessness is sin and Jesus hates lawlessness. So what should our response to sin be? And my response was simple. Love. You should respond to sin with love. But then I clarified when Jesus was presented with a sinner, he said he who was without sin cast the first stone. And does no one condemn you? Then neither do I. But when Jesus was confronted with oppression of those with less of a voice, he formed a whip of cords and drove out merchants and money changers, calling them names and turning over their tables. We must also recognize our own privilege when we are tempted to prefer law and order or preservation of property over the lives of black people and the lawless violence they systematically endure in our nation each day. If we are to follow Jesus, we must battle against oppression with the same righteous anger as Christ, which means finding the sources of that oppression and driving it out. We must listen closely and believe black voices as they share their experience and pain of police violence, mass incarceration, and healthcare disparities that disproportionately impact black people. We must educate ourselves on the ways systemic racism has been codified into America's legal, economic, education, and housing systems, and then actively work to legislate change. If we are to follow Jesus, we must serve and love the least of these as if they are Jesus Christ himself which means standing beside our black brothers and sisters, allowing them the same platform for speech that we afford others, supporting movements like Black Lives Matter, and putting our own bias to rest. Because if we don't, if this isn't part of our birth as a new church, then God is going to keep having to circle back, trying to get us to move forward, and we are going to fall behind where God wants us to be. Please, please reach out to me and talk about this. I don't have it all figured out, but I know that following Jesus means caring about this issue. Thank you, Matt. Please be sure to stick with us right after Cindy Romano finishes her live postlude, and we'll move right directly to our Q&A with Conference Superintendent Chris Dunley as we talk about what the church might look like after this coronavirus crisis is over. At this time, may the Spirit go with you. May God take the righteous anger that is all throughout our country and turn it into positive, meaningful, lasting change. We pray for that transforming spirit. Amen. Go in the grace of the Lord. Walk in the
Good morning once again, and welcome to our Q&A with Conference Superintendent Chris Nunley. Uh, we're very glad to have Chris with us today. He, has, uh, he is the Conference Superintendent for the North Central District of the Indiana United Methodist Conference, which covers the whole state of Indiana. Uh, I know on a weekly basis he's been holding a live, a Zoom uh, conferencing with pastors in our district. I've been able to join in a few times. And we've been hearing all across the state and our country that churches are doing some creative and amazing things during this time. And the Spirit of God is certainly alive and well. So we thought it would be great to have him come because he gets to hear a lot more of these stories than, than I have time to, to experience. So, Chris, if you'd share with us what are, what are at least a couple of the most amazing things you've heard across Methodism, creative things churches are doing to share the good news of Jesus Christ in this coronavirus crisis. Well, thanks, Jerry, for the question, and thanks for letting me be a part of this uh, uh, live stream today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Noblesville Church family. Um, you know, there's uh, so many things that people are doing and churches are doing in this time um, that have really been amazing to me. Um, some of the things that um, I've watched um, kind of unfold uh, is churches coming back to a, a sense of community. You mentioned it in the message just a few minutes ago, um, that there's a sense of community that's Kind of arising out of this this connection that's taking place among peoples in the life of the church um, people are actually spending time with each other or providing for one another um, one of the things that i've really seen out of this is that uh, we're checking in on one another more often than maybe we have in the past whether it's via phone calls or through zoom meetings or <clears throat> just knocking on doors and checking on neighbors uh, one of the most amazing things i think is happening is just that uh, that we're kind of getting back to that um, that Pentecost story at the very end of chapter 2 of Acts where it talks about that the people were um, spending time together. They were living life together uh, in some really incredible ways. We're seeing a kind of resurgence of that in our communities right now uh, and where people are just just that. They're check, checking in on each other. Uh, one of the things that I saw, one of the ministries that's kind of unfolded in, during this time uh, has been a People just making sure that their older folks, uh, the folks that are maybe the most vulnerable in our society right now, um, they're being taken care of by people going to the store for them, um, people providing groceries for them. Um, so simple things like that that have really made a huge impact that maybe we'll never see, uh, but it sure has affected people's lives and provided some safety for people uh, that they probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So that's one thing. One of the other things I think is really incredible um, and kind of creative has been um, the development of small groups and house churches. One of the churches in the district has been um, kind of on the forefront of this. They started it before the coronavirus crisis cr uh, happened, um, but they hadn't kind of uh, launched it yet. Well, during this time, they've really launched this process of uh, house churches. These are kind of like small groups, um, but instead of just meeting for a Bible study or time of prayer for an hour, uh, they're actually coming together for worship. So instead of individuals or family groups sitting at home watching the live virtual worship, uh, they're actually coming together as smaller groups, still in social distancing uh, practices, uh, but then spending some time together in smaller segments for worship. It's a creative way to still be safe uh, and also create community. Uh, and that has been unfolding more and more um, in this one church. They'll have does more than a dozen house churches happening um, at any one time on a Sunday morning. Uh, 
Uh, and then that takes it one step further. They're actually spending time in fellowship beyond watching worship, spending time in discipleship by discussing what happened during worship and during a message. Um, and so just these simple ways of taking what we normally do and creating a new environment and context for it. Sounds like the first century church. It really does. Wow. Now let me remind you that you can uh, share questions on the Facebook live feed. We're monitoring those. Uh, there is a little bit of delay, so we hopefully we'll catch those in time. But if you have a question that's raised, or maybe you got one right now that the message is brought up that you'd like to put on, just put that question in the comment section of the Facebook page, and we'll share those and discuss those further. Uh, next question, we, as we talk about the message, that we're seeing organizations, businesses that are responding and realizing things will never be the same with this new normal. As you look at uh, churches in general, what do you think it, we're going to see as part of that impact for our new normal when we get back and hopefully have a vaccine and can uh, live life again like we've known it, but knowing that it has been changed forever? What, what do you think it's going to look like for the church in general? I wish I knew that. I would write the book right now and uh, we'd all be better off for it, right? Um, so what it's going to look like in the future, we're really not sure. But what we do know is the, a, a couple of things. Uh, one of them is uh, the church is going to have to have a digital presence more than it ever has before. Uh, the churches like yours who already have a, a virtual ministry or a digital ministry, a live stream, um, you're already ahead of the curve. Uh, but churches are going to have to have uh, in these next few months or the next couple of years, depending upon when we finally can get to back to a, a new normal um, whatever that may look like, uh, we're going to have to continue with this digital presence. Churches who've never had Facebook or live stream are going to have to figure out how that's going to work. Um, maybe be becoming um, tech savvy more than they ever have. Pastors will have to be uh, learning new things about what it means to be in church uh, or be the church. Um, but that's, that's one of the key ones. The second one is I think that uh, I think we'll get back to live services again uh, we're, we're all coming back into the sanctuary I do think that day is going to come Jerry I don't know how soon that's going to be uh, but I do think it's going to happen but in the meantime I think we have to find the best ways for us to continue to be church um, one of the things that I said when I first became a superintendent nearly two years ago um, seems like it's, it was just yesterday um, but I said that we're going to have to find ways new creative ways in our new context. Now, I was not prophetic thinking that I was, I knew that we were going to have a, a great crisis, a worldwide crisis or pandemic on our hands, but I recognize that we're living in a different world. Todd Bolsinger said it very well in his book, um, or described it very well in his book, Canoeing the Mountains, when he described that we're in a different world today. Uh, and in that, and all the tools that we've had to bring us to this point in time in the life of the church are not the same tools it's gonna take us into the future. But we're living into that real quickly uh, right now. And so we're going to have to be as creative as we can be, uh, finding new ways, taking great risks uh, at being the church, uh, finding uh, maybe building the tools that we don't have right now that we're going to need into the future. Um, what I do know is, though, in the midst of all of this thing, these things that are unsure, we're unsure about right now, uh, is that uh, the church is still going to be the church. We're going to still be connected. We're still, still have the Christ who's going to be present with us in some amazing and powerful ways. 
we just have to be creative in how to connect that to the people who are in our communities each and every day. Uh, and we may just discover that um, we have more gifts, more giftedness, uh, more ability um, than we've ever thought possible in the past. We're going to find new avenues just by being creative. And the creativity is in our churches right now. We don't have to go find it. It's right here. Well, Chris, you're somewhat familiar with our congregation. You, you've held meetings in our building. Uh, we talk frequently. Uh, you've been very involved as you've been appointing uh, our new pastor to us, as you've done a church profile. So you've got probably more than the average experience uh, of a local church uh, with us, especially in this time. Uh, knowing us uh, as we are, what would you recommend is the next step for us to prepare for this new normal, for this future that we see, to be the church that God wants us to be into the future? A, a couple things, Jerry, um, and I've mentioned a couple things already that you're doing, um, but I think some greater things that need to take place. Um, I think we have to focus on uh, how we can do small group ministry, um, small connecting groups. Um, those are gonna be critical. Most of you who have been living at home for the last two months, uh, if you're anything like me and my wife, who have been cooped up in our home a lot over the last, last two months, um, we're recognizing our need for a greater community. Um, yes, we have family and we connect with our family virtually and we try to stay uh, socially distant as I visit uh, every once in a while, um, but we really need that community and the, the greater sense of that I think is kind of coming out of that. And so we have churches and people who are just not connected in those ways. They might be connected to people who are sit close to them in the pews on the Sunday morning. But beyond that, they're not in small group ministry. And I think small group ministry, uh, kind of like these house churches I described a few minutes ago, are going to be critical for the future. Uh, not just because of this pandemic that we're in, um, but we don't know what's coming after this. We pray that there's not an, another pandemic that follows this one. Um, but re the researchers have said... Another one's going to happen at some point in time. So we have to prepare ourselves to be what this future looks like. So connecting in small groups, I think, is really key. Another one is, um, and you, you kind of highlighted a bit in the message, um, <clears throat> when we come together for big groups or church, um, people have often talked about going to church, coming to church. Um, when we recognize that that's really not what it's all about anyway, is it? It's all about being discipled and be, being a disciple. Um, and I think we're going to discover that um, even though our big gatherings are still going to happen eventually, uh, but we're going to discover, the church is going to have to discover that disciple making is really the key and finding new ways of making disciples. What it, and it's not just about Bible studying, although that's part of it. It's not just about reading the Bible, although that's part of it. But how can we really develop disciples in a new way? Maybe it's through the small groups. Maybe it's something beyond that as well. Um, but truly developing disciples, coming back to that great commission that Jesus described, going and making disciples of all nations. Uh, I think if we begin focusing on that, it's going to shift things. The other thing I was thinking about, um, and I'm grateful for the questions ahead of time, allowing me to think a little bit about this, um, is that I think churches are going to have to go back to uh, the drawing board, looking at mission and vision in a different way maybe even reconnecting their, um, their core values, maybe even taking a look at those again. Um, I've discovered as I've done visioning with churches uh, for a number of years, even before I was a superintendent, uh, is that a lot of churches create 
um, slogans more than they create vision. Um, the slogans are something that's easily written in a bulletin or on a banner, uh, put over the door of the church, um, but they're really not anything more than an aspirational view of what could be instead of something they're working hard towards. And that's what vision's really all about, is something that we're working every day on. And I think if we're gonna make disciples, we're gonna really be the church, we're gonna have to refocus our mission and vision and uh, really finding something that we're gonna work hard towards together um, at, uh, at fulfilling what it means to be the church. And to my knowledge, we've received just one question, which is about when are we gonna reopen for worship? And before I answer that, why don't you share what you're seeing happening with other churches, how they're making this decision before I share what we're, we're doing. Yeah, um, one of the things that people have asked, um, our bishop has made a statement, a very clear statement, that he would uh, anticipate that the churches, the United Methodist Church in Indiana, uh, wouldn't open their doors before June 14th. Um, the reason for that is that we're watching the statistics, uh, we're getting uh, information from uh, IU Health uh, every week, and we're meeting with leaders from IU Health um, so that we can make the best decisions for the churches in Indiana. Uh, so with that being said, we're hoping that churches will begin to uh, reopen after June 14th um, with the appropriate pr uh, protocols and, and uh, precautions in place. Um, after that, uh, we hope that as the, if the coronavirus continues to lessen in Indiana, um, then we'll see uh, larger groups, larger gatherings see churches kind of open up but it's really all about the safety protocols and social distancing right now you know a sanctuary like we're in right now would be uh, um, probably less than 70 percent full um, 75 is the most we can put in this room 75 people in this room in order to keep socially distant um, so we have to look at those protocols the other thing is not just that though um, how can we sit that way but how do we enter the building in a safe way how do we use the facilities in a safe way um, how do we make sure that people aren't gathering in small groups in the foyer or in the, in the parking lot? Uh, so those are the kind of things that we're really watching for, Jerry, to make sure that uh, churches are safe. They're knowing how to clean, um, how to provide for masks if you need them, like you have on the table out in the foyer. Um, just making sure that we're protecting each other. That's really the, what it comes down to. And what I've told churches is if you're going to plan on having a, a gathering, uh, remember our number one thing. And that is to do no harm, making sure we're protecting each other uh, in the best way possible. So our coronavirus task force has been meeting every Wednesday. We are monitoring the statistics very carefully. Um, we are watching the numbers just like the conference is, and we've got some excellent people uh, who bring some expertise that's valuable to us. Uh, at our last meeting, we were very encouraged. We saw a downward trend in both cases, new cases, deaths, and also hospitalization. Now, if you watch the last couple of days, those creep back up. Some of that we anticipate because of additional testing, uh, but still, uh, we'll monitor those very carefully. Uh, we saw those numbers and it made us optimistic that we could make a decision soon. We decided we better complete our survey first to make sure that we feel that the congregation understands all those safety issues. Uh, make sure that you know that singing is a huge problem when we come back together. But we also believe that the Teeter uh, worship area offers us a great opportunity. It's outdoors. Uh, breeze helps reduce the chance for transmission. Uh, it makes a lot of things that we don't have to worry about, inflows and outflows, nearly as much. 
So we've been working on those issues. We've got a plan together. Uh, we're going to be meeting again to make some adjustments to that plan this Tuesday. And hopefully by Wednesday night with the survey complete, we may be able to make an announcement. But be prepared that when we make the announcement, we hold the right to pull that back in case we see some skyrocketing numbers that, that occur and so forth. But hopefully by Wednesday, we'll announce it on Thursday when we think we can open. And uh, you can spread that and share that as well. Got another question. This has been a huge impact on music ministry. What do you think are possible solutions to get us back? Well, I did meet with Jeff Wright this week, and we talked at length about what that will look like. We believe we got to get some technical expertise on our church staff so we can do some of the things where you see some beautiful renditions of people singing separately and then mixing that together. But that takes some expertise we don't have. We've been doing a few attempts at that. Uh, but with GarageBand, that, that's not the most sophisticated software for such an endeavor. So we're going to be working on that. That's part of what our task force is doing. Uh, as we look at what the church is going to look like in the future, we're also looking at staffing issues. We know we've got to get some more technical expertise in our staff. So we'll have more answers, but just know we're highly committed to doing that as safely as we can, as soon as we can, as safe as we can. And Jeff Wright, who is a professor at Anderson University is certainly dealing with those same issues uh, at Anderson College as, as well. Well, Jerry, let me respond to that if I might. Um, one of our churches in the district um, has kind of evolved, if you will, with music ministry, recognizing that some new software that there's available, uh, they've learned some new things, and they're putting together some really amazing music um, in the church. Actually, it's First United Methodist Church in Anderson. Um, and they've decided already that even when they come back together as a, as a congregation in their sanctuary, they will probably not do live music uh, other than maybe piano and organ, uh, but their choirs, um, their bands will all be playing virtually um, because they've developed some really quality music that way uh, and recognizing that it's gonna be a, probably the way they're gonna have to function for a while um, until the, we can really feel like we can be back together uh, safely. Uh, but they're doing it in a quality way. So it doesn't take it doesn't take a great deal of expertise to learn that, um, and uh, I can connect you with them. Very good. And I think we have some connection to Anderson Hurst already, uh, and Tom Strogman agreed. Uh, well, we'll be continuing to look at that. Know that music will always be vital, but we certainly know there's some huge complications in bringing a choir together. We've already got some some terrible stories of uh, the spread of the virus in churches, uh, mainly in choir situations. So we're going to be very careful. Well, anything else you'd like to share with us before we close this up? I just want to say thank you for continuing to do the things you're doing, Jerry, and your team that's here. Um, it's been a safe environment, and I'm grateful for that. Um, when we're not on camera, we're on in masks, so we're, we're doing the best we can uh, there. Uh, but thanks for continuing to do the ministry and being vibrant in this community. Uh, God has great plans for you in the future, um, and we just have to be diligent in our work now, uh, not give up now. And uh, just keep moving forward. So thanks for your leadership. All right. I encourage you to continue to monitor our social media news. Uh, check out the website. We'll be uh, working intently this week trying to form some conversations and deal with the racial tension that's happening in our state, in our region, in our country. Uh, we've got some people that are very geared towards that in our congregation. And we hope that something will be happening within this next week. So keep, keep tuned to what uh, we share with you. And we'll do our best to be the church God's calling us to be here in Noblesville. Thank you very much. Thank you.